So hello and welcome to Tolkien with Friends. Today we're excited to have Iris join us as we venture into Lothlorien. Now Iris, I originally met um, as Hobbit Hot Takes on TikTok um, and we've had a lot of back and forth on that platform, but I'm excited to finally dive headfirst into the books with you and, you know, really talk it out. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> I know because there's only like so much conversation you can really have in the comment section, you of know. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with how many characters? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, and then I have to edit it so that I can like yeah. keep it to one comment. But then lately, I'm just like, you're just gonna have to keep reading this comment. Yeah, I'm gonna keep adding replies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I don't think I've ever gotten the chance to ask you this before, but so what is your Tolkien origin story? Like, how were you introduced to Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and what keeps you coming back to these stories? Uh, I think I've done a video on it on TikTok. Actually, it might have been your prompt. But... It might have been. I don't. But now we can like go beyond the three minutes. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. Th yeah. So uh, I was... 11 around 11 when the movies came out and mm. um i was a big reader that was my personality <laughs> and Relatable. i had read the i had read the hobbit before and i had uh, tried to read the lord of the rings but i got a bit lost with the plot but when sure. when i heard that the movies were coming out i wanted to read the books uh before the movies and i thought well i, c I can do it i'll I'll read each part of the trilogy in the year coming up to the movie. And then I started reading and I didn't put the book down for the whole weekend. And I finished it at school on Monday. I think I, I think I read for the whole time I was awake for three days. And wow. That's amazing. That's how my plan, plan went. Yeah. So you were and like, then, yeah, I'll just read one book a year. And then yeah. ends up reading all of them in one weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was really taken with it. Um, I was already into fantasy, but I think reading that, I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. And um, I've just kept reading it and rereading it. And when the pandemic started, I started listening to uh, an audiobook version. And then I listened to that about three times in one year. <laughs> it was like yeah. a comfort audiobook. And then I started making tiktok videos about it and um it's even though i had been rereading it through the years i think that really really the interest in everything yeah yeah that, that's relatable because i feel like i have probably read these books once ish a year i can't commit to what I, if i did it in college or not but mm -hmm. you know ever since then like i have reread them once a year ish since I was like 10 or 11. Um, but then, you know, with the pandemic, I feel like I don't know if this is true for you all, but I felt like I was really leaning heavily on media and content that I found comforting and that I knew was really familiar with. Like it wasn't something oh, yeah. that I necessarily had to you know, recommit to like, I could just let it kind of wash over me because I already know everything like we ended up watching like the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies again. Like I watched Downton Abbey a bunch of times and obviously like Lord of the Rings, like I watched the movies a billion times during the pandemic mm. and then started rereading them. And, you know, even now, like I reread them last year 
And that was when I kind of started making my TikToks. And then I'm rereading them now for the podcast. And I feel like every time I read them, there's something else there that I didn't really notice before or think about. And I'm like, how do you keep doing this to me? It's been (laughs) 20 years. How? How are you doing this? Um, So, yeah. That's, yeah, and when you when you've reread them so many times, when you're reading again, you you will remember. Oh, oh, this reminds me of the other bit, and you start making these connections yeah. um, between little details in different parts of the books, and you can't really do that on a first read or a second read. So it just yeah, absolutely keeps giving. <laughs> yeah, Anna, do you feel like Game of Thrones keeps giving to you? I definitely feel like Game of Thrones is always giving to me. Um, I have recently finished reading like all of the books, like the the five that are out. Um, but I do rewatch the whole series once ish, you know, a year. I'm just like constantly watching ish. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. And there's always like, ooh, that's foreshadowing this, or you know, like that's a fun detail that I've never missed, never catch before. Um, so yeah, it's when you when you like something that much, I think you're always just appreciating new things about it. Definitely. And Anna, how is your reading of what is the Game of Thrones? Fire and Blood. Fire and Blood. Okay. How is how is that going? Since the move, it has been quite slow. Oh, sure. Uh, quite honestly, I have been behind on my reading, but um, it's so much backstory that mm. it's it's just a different feeling since I went into reading the Game of Thrones books like knowing all the characters knowing what's going to happen and now I'm just like wow I don't know who any of these people are and I don't know what's important and it's a little intimidating literally but, um, me reading Silmarillion for the first time <laughs> yeah. yeah like I was like uh who who are all these people with f names like yeah. why does yeah. every single person need to be named with an f you know like in <laughs> lord of the rings there are a good chunk of names but like they sound different enough even though like galadriel and gimli have g names they're they're totally different like syllables you know what i mean yeah. and then everybody and they don't come at you is- all at once <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they're like slowly introduced over time, and then instead in the Silmarillion, it's like, and so was born such and such, and they had such and such. It's just like I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, in Game of Thrones, like everyone's name is Aegon, everyone's name is Viserys. <laughs> just like, okay, this is the first one, and this is the fifteenth one. I don't even know. I know. <laughs> I definitely need to if if I do try to reread the Silmarillion before maybe that's the book I'll bring on our vacation but uh maybe I'll just like because I I, my version of it it's a paperback and I have already like crushed it underneath my bed once so like I could totally like annotate that one and not feel bad about it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean (laughs) because there's always like my one copy of the book that I like try to keep pretty and then there's the ones that I like open constantly and are like using all the time so but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you destroy books. Got it. Yeah. I try not to. <laughs> but um, yeah, sorry, Silmarillion. Ew. But, you know, it was a used book. It's fine. It's fine. It's seen some things. <laughs> I like so, that book. You like ha- being able to like really get into it? Yeah. And even if I buy used books, I, I like to see that somebody has read them. <laughs> I've yeah, seen someone else's notes in it. <laughs> Those are fun. 
Those are fun. I had a textbook like that once and I was like, score, I don't have to do my homework all the way. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. I, but I had somebody that had just highlighted like everything. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, helpful. I don't, I don't know who you are, but like, you don't need to highlight everything because that kind of defeats the purpose of the highlighting. Wherever you are, tech person, I don't even remember what textbook it was. I want to say an anthropology textbook, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, are they just confused or did they think everything was important? I don't know. Um, so, but, sorry, so we'll get back to why we're actually here, which is to talk about um, our friends in the fellowship and where they are now. So, um, last time we saw Frodo and the gang, Gandalf had just fallen into Moria and, you know, been taken out by the Balrog, and the fellowship has, like, just barely escaped, and uh, if you're following along in the books, we're picking up at the very beginning of Lothlorien and going all the way through Farewell to Lorien. Um, and in the extended edition of Fellowship, this is about two hours and 28 minutes in until two hours and 53 minutes into the movie. So that's like, what, 20-something minutes? 25 minutes of movie? If, if the math is wrong. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> so now I I really did have a hard time narrowing down what I wanted to talk about for this one since there are there are like a bunch of little tiny changes that happen. Um, but I think to start, we will explore um, Gimli's character over these three chapters and his kind of evolution about like his relationship with the elves and also his relationship with Legolas. So Anna, before we dive into that, based on what you know from the movie, from fellowship so far like within the movies like how do you perceive Gimli and his um relationship with elves and specifically Legolas like how does that come across in the films so only in relation to like the first movie not yeah like at this point how do you feel like they are how are they doing um there's definitely some tension uh you know which is long you know, like generation, generations um, of hostility between those two. And it, at this point where they meet Gladriel, I still feel like there is still some tension. They're not really giving into their their friendship much. It's just like circumstantial that they're, they're together. They're working together. In the movie, Legolas does help save Gimli when they like almost fall off the thing. When, like in Casa do when he grabs his beard. Yeah. Um, Not the beard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's still just like it's it's more of a teamwork effort because they're on a mission, not as much of the the friendship that you see in like two towers starting to form. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair based on what we're we're given in the movie. So now, like in. The books, obviously, it's going to be slightly different as far as uh, how how their relationship evolves. So, you know, as Sarah was kind of pointing out to us last week, Gimli and Legolas are, you know, they're still kind of bickering at this point, like when we meet them at the beginning of Lothlorien. Um, but they're also, we're starting to see them kind of paired off. You know, I love that, that, that Sarah pointed that out last time about, you know, when they were in the you know, the chamber with Balin's tomb and they were afraid and, you know, they were both like, you know, they say, they repeat the lines from um, the the book about, like, 
we cannot get out they're coming we cannot get out and they like echo what's in the book together and they start um and even when we get to in uh when they finally meet galadriel and Celeborn, they get like legolas responds about the balrog and then gimli immediately responds afterwards so they're like kind of constantly like next to each other um their dialogue a lot of the time so um and so as they enter Lothlorien, we see more of this tension, um, not only between Legolas and Gimli, but between just Gimli and his reaction with other elves. You know, we saw like a little bit of it in Rivendell, but I think that Gimli and his family have such a better relationship with Elrond and his people that it, it doesn't come up too much. Um, and then we kind of see like a full 180 by the end of these chapters. So, in the movies, Fellowship enters the woods of Lothlorien, and it kind of seems like, and I don't even remember if this is not in the, if this is in the theatrical version or not, like, but Aragorn seems to kind of negotiate their entrance into the city. But in the books, the elves that kind of are keeping guard on the edges of Lothlorien more or less know the Fellowship will be coming at some point, um, and they are very surprised that they have a dwarf with them. And they're only willing to let him pass through the forest if he's blindfolded, because dwar- there's a law that dwarves are not permitted in this land. And Gimli throws a whole fit, right? He's like, I'm not, I'm not any more likely than Legolas to betray you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, well, to be Haldir- fair, they, they they didn't negotiate it with Gimli. They're just like, okay, time to blindfold the, the dwarf. And yeah. Gimli's like, what? <laughs> excuse you yeah it's like they're like oh yeah we'll blindfold him tomorrow and then i don't know what Aragorn like what aragorn was thinking just like we'll deal with that and that's a tomorrow problem i guess and so then when he just like brings it up and gimli is just like uh absolutely not no you will not put a blindfold over me um and you know he's very much not happy and refuses to go forward blindfolded. Like, he even threatens to leave, but they're like, you can't go back. And he literally can't go back. Like, they have this whole scene where they have this weird rope bridge that they have to kind of, like, barely hang on to and, like, walk across. Um, but you don't really need to know that. <laughs> uh, so he refuses to go forward blindfolded. So Aragorn steps in and says, you know, they're all going to be blindfolded. It's not fair for him to be singled out. We're all going to be blindfolded together. And then uh, Gimli basically says that they're all going to look stupid if they're all blindfolded and walking in the forest like that. So he's like, you know what? I'll compromise. I'll go blindfolded if Legolas is blindfolded with me. So then it's time for Legolas to get mad. And when Er when uh, Gimli had originally refused, he was like, you know, a curse on the stiff necks of dwarves. And so then Aragorn is like, okay, well now you know cursing the stiff necks of elves and he's like no seriously guys we're all gonna be blindfolded it's the only way that we're gonna get through this so it's kind of like the first moment where it's like oh like oh these freaking elves you know from Gimli's point of view um and it's interesting that they they make a point of saying that there's a law that, you know, he does say the line that from the movies that they haven't had dealings with the dwarves since the dark days, but he makes a point of saying that there is a, literally a law that dwarves aren't allowed to come into Lothlorien. So I don't totally know, like, the genesis of that, like, what caused that per se, 
but I think it's important to note for in a second. So, um, you know, there's some really cute stuff that happens here, uh, which we can get to in a little bit if we if we have time. But uh, eventually, they finally make it to Galadriel and her husband Celeborn, um, and Gimli is kind of met with some more rudeness. So, uh, Celeborn, when he finds out, like he's like, you know, where the heck is Gandalf? And they explain that a Balrog um, took him. him. Yeah, he uh, blames the dwarves for waking up the Balrog and uh, blames Gimli for Gandalf's death and says that if that he wouldn't have let Gimli or any of his friends inside the border if he had known that that's what had happened. Um, and uh, Galadriel's response, I think, is probably the first big turning point here for Gimli. So similar to in the movie, she says that needless were none of the deeds of Gandalf in life and do not let the great emptiness of Khazad doom fill your heart, Gimli, son of Gloin. And, um, but in the book, it's, I think it's a, it's, it's not that much longer of a phrase, but I think it, um, it's a little more powerful. So she says, dark is the water of Keled Zaram and cold are the springs of Kibil Nala. And fair were the many-pillared halls of Khazad Doom in elder days before the mighty kings beneath the stone. And Gimli, hearing the names of his ancient tongue, of give, hearing the names given in his own ancient tongue, looked up and met her eyes, and it seemed to him he looked suddenly into the heart of an enemy and saw their love and understanding. So that is, um, you know, in the movies they have this thing where she's like kind of like reading everybody's mind a little bit, mm-hmm. which isn't wrong um but i think that you you don't I mean, really get to in see the book. yeah it, it is there Just but it's like you don't get to see the 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 real um moment between galadriel and gimli yeah you know because he then responds that she is more fair than all the jewels beneath the earth at that point so you start to see like i mean obviously Galadriel's a stunner, and it was probably easy to be like, well, this pretty lady's t- saying nice things to me, you know? <laughs> um, but it, it is interesting that at the same time that Celeborn is being rude, he does apologize. But, uh, you know, Galadriel makes a point of saying, like, I, maybe I don't know you specifically, but I do, kind of, you know, showing this kind of understanding between cultures and across you know barriers and i think that's something that we've seen multiple times in fellowship at this point usually through frodo of crossing these kind of cultural divides of being friendly with elves and so now it's kind of like gimli's turn a little bit and he's a little more resistant than you know because frodo is kind of grown up with this kind of reverence for elves whereas i don't think that would be true of gimli um so i just think that's really interesting a little slight nuance there Mm. and so um now we have the the fellowship now i don't this is definitely not very clear like the timeline is wild and i don't know how long do you feel like they stay in lothlorien based on the movies i don't know like a week maybe they stay there for a month (laughs) oh So, you know, 
It's uh, it's fair. They've been through a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, they need some time to chill. Yeah, a lot of adventuring. A lot of you know, some grieving needs to happen. Some resting in general. You know, like that is one other thing is that uh, Frodo and Sam are a little bit wounded after their encounter with the orcs in Moria. Like in the movies, they very much brush it. Like he's not dead, you know, because of the mithril coat that he's wearing. Oh yeah, but he is like fairly bruised up and like one would think so. Yeah, so um, they all get a nice long break, um, and so. So they're there for a month, and during that time, Legolas goes off to hang out with the elves a lot, but often he took Gimli with him when he went abroad in the land, and the others wondered at this change. So the in- so we so we see Galadriel being like, no, no, we're going to be cool. And then immediately we see... Like, I think that there's been probably hints about them starting to become friends, you know? But then now is the time where they're really getting to hang out together and really understand each other. And uh, I just love that he makes a point of, you know, he is hanging out with the elves because I'm sure that that's something that he has missed. But then he is making a point of bringing Gimli along for the ride. Hmm. What are your feelings about that? I love it. <laughs> and I definitely think like Lothlorien is the like turning point in Legolas and Ghibli's relationship. And isn't is it isn't only tension before this, there are also moments where they are on each other's side. But mm-hmm. like I think their time in Lothlorien really starts their friendship. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they do they like it's almost like a married couple bickering in a way because it's never very serious when they're mad at each other you know what I mean (laughs) um but it is like and now they're actually having time to get to know each other they're not like fleeing from danger into danger there it's kind of a, a break for everybody yeah and I think some of the tension before that is that uh that they're not sure what preconceptions or prejudices the other one has about them. Uh, so they're a bit like, got their guard up a bit. Like there's a moment, mm-hmm. I think, like in the very beginning of the chapter Lothlorien, before they before they reach Lothlorien, where Legolas says something like, in, in passing, something like, when, when the dwarves woke the evil in Moria, and mm-hmm. Gimli immediately replies, well, dwarves didn't create that evil. And Legolas exactly. is like, that's not what I said. But you can see that there's this this tension that comes from, like, I don't know what you think about me. There do, does seem to be um, clear misconceptions about each culture. You know, like the way that they probably talk to each other about about each other if that makes sense like within you know dwarves talking to dwarves about elves elves talking to elves about Mm. dwarves so i think that gimli and legolas's relationship is starting to be um this first time that we see them getting to not only know each other but getting to understand each other more and the and you know from that it kind of trickles into a lot of other situations 
Yeah, it's like a one-on-one relationship between those two people, um, you know, rather than just I'm an elf and you're a dwarf. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And and the way that they are able to take what they learn from each other later and kind of make the world better, which is cool. Um, and what do you guys think? Do you think that it was mainly just the timing of their stay in Lothlorien and like the way that they're able to take time together? Or do you think that um, what Galadriel said had any impact on Legolas as well about how he started to include Gimli more in Oh, I'm sure it did. Like, I think, I think, like, having that time, I feel like having that time plays a big part in it. Also, Mm -hmm. because, like, in the whole, in the whole book, these moments of rest are so important overall. But I think, like, the way that uh, Galadriel treats Gimli and also the way that Gimli treats Galadriel probably has a big big impact as well and that like even though Gimli was grumbling about elves the day before <laughs> um, he's able to receive this um, uh, courtesy and love and understanding from Galadriel and move that relationship forward yeah that makes a lot of sense because she's such a, she's such a big deal, right? So I feel like the deal, yeah. You know, so it's like if you um, aren't listening to Galadriel, then what are you doing? <laughs> what are you even doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Like, there's, um, there's, there's a point where Boromir tries to say something like. It, I can't remember the exact line, but eventually implying that she's not uh, exactly 100% a good guy, you know, and Aragorn is like, shut your mouth. You you don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I was just thinking about that today though. I was reading, I didn't get through the whole three chapters, but I was reading some parts and I was thinking about the difference between Gimli and Boromir because Boromir Mm -hmm. is so suspicious of Lothlorien and of, Galadriel and he just holds his ground on that. And yeah. I don't know what he I don't know what he's doing for the month. If is he is he just brooding in a corner? <laughs> I kind of Yeah, but, but, but he's like, like when when Galadriel um uh you know uh talks to each of them telepathically or whatever um Yeah, where she's like testing uh, their hearts. Yeah, and like uh like kind of asking them like if you had the chance to go home and have everything you wanted right now would you leave this quest and i think like everyone else that's in the scene where they talk about it is quite humble about it but boromir is like well i think she was tempting me and offering me something she doesn't have and he's like seeing this as a very negative thing and i think mm. that's that also seems like a parallel to the ring that's um tempting mm. you with the things that you want but Boromir has a very negative reaction and I don't think that we see him really move on from that in the book maybe yeah I think it's different I think his whole character is a bit different uh 
in this scene specifically in the movie. Yeah, so in it's so funny because he you know, he he does not say what it is that she offered him. Most people don't. I think it's only Sam that admits to what she yeah. asks. Yeah. Um so this is a book. So like in the movies, she's you only really see her say something to Frodo telepathically. But then um Boromir in the ex- definitely in the extended, I don't think this is in the theatrical, but he says that she um what was it that she I wrote it down. I wrote it down, you guys. I'm prepared, I swear. <laughs> but he says, um that you know, she talked about his father and the fall of Gondor, and that even now there is hope, but he cannot see it. And I'm like, I don't think that's what she said, though. You know, because yeah. because that's not really a not in the offering. Book, yeah. So I think it fits within the within like you know in the movies with Boromir, they're trying to. Um, I think they're. They're using him for Aragorn's story mainly to me, uh, as far as getting trying to show Aragorn slowly making his way to accepting his role as king of Gondor, and you know that is a point where Boromir is like, you know, he's speaking about how much he loves Minas Tirith and the White City, and you know that when they return, you know, like, people will be so happy to see the Lords of Gondor returning, you know, and Aragorn's just like, hmm, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he doesn't say anything, he's just like, okay. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, but it's, um, in the book, Boromir, I don't know if he's ever really comfortable in Lothlorien. Probably not. Yeah. Another another thing that I noticed they changed about Boromir in Lothlorien is that in the book there are, I think, two times that Aragorn, or I'm not sure if it's by someone else the second time, but at least once it's Aragorn that says like something like, there's no evil in Lothlorien except the evil that you bring um, yes. to Boromir specifically, um, which uh, in, the, in the movie it's like... They kind of say something like that, but it's changed the, to they may... this, like, to say, um, I think Galadriel telepathically saying to Frodo before they arrive that you bring an evil into this place. Yes. And I don't think that's what was meant in the books. No. Yeah, so the... Um, I don't think there's any question for Galadriel about Frodo. You know what I mean? Like, the, the fact that he has the ring isn't necessarily the evil i mean it's not not evil right but if you're not using it um then you're pretty okay uh so i i do think that it is um that's that's quite a significant change if you ask me about uh as far as the implications about boromir versus frodo Mm -hmm. Anna, what are your feelings about Boromir? Um, I think the movie definitely makes him seem to be a bad guy, that he's shady, that he's yeah. never really truthful with the rest of the fellowship. Um, and that that that's how I think that most audiences perceive him, because straight out the gate at when he's with Elrond, 
you know, he's like, why don't we just like take it? You know, like, why don't we just like use the ring? And then he somehow still gets to go on this quest with them. And he keeps having these moments of weakness throughout the entire, um, Mm. throughout the entire movie. And then when he's with Gliadriel, I think he's like, oh no, they know I'm a rat. They know like, you know, that I am not a cool dude. And, you know, they're going to tell all my buddies that I'm on this adventure with. Um, and that's that's what the the movie gives gives off. That's, that's interesting, so interesting because I I feel like in the movies they maybe like gave him more of these like nice moments with the hobbits and like maybe made him a bit more sympathetic also with his talk uh, with Gat Aragorn in Lothlorien. Mm-hmm. And and when Bro- and when Boromir says to Frodo like don't carry the weight of the dead. Yeah, you know, like he's trying to reach out to Frodo, um, but I do think that they hold. I mean, they, you know, he is sus a little bit, yeah. but I, I don't think that it is until to me that um, the point in Amon Hen when you know the before the breaking of the fellowship where it re, you know, that's his big moment of. We're really revealing like what's going on in his brain yeah. um but in and the think, yeah oh what were you saying no go on <laughs> oh i was just gonna say that there's a point um right before they're about to leave where again boromir tries to be like hey like we could take the ring to Minas Tirith and um you know you know what does he say then there's a little use in more weapons obviously if we're seeking to destroy it but he's essentially implying that like they could try to use it mm. but he uh says and folly to throw away he paused suddenly as if he had become aware that he was speaking his thoughts aloud it would be folly to throw lives away i mean he ended it is a choice between mm. defending a strong place and walking openly into the arms of death at least that is how i see it frodo caught something new and strange in boromir's glance and he looked hard at him Plainly, Boromir's thought was different from his final words. It would be folly to throw away, what, the Ring of Power? He had said something like this at the council, but then he had accepted the correction of Elrond. But had he accepted the correction of Elrond? Kind of sounds like he didn't. Kind of sounds like he's been thinking some thoughts this whole time. He's been thinking on his own. Mm -hmm. Just, you know what I think about Boromir. I think he's... The problematic guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it makes me wonder, like, even if he was having these thoughts, but it's just like, I get it. Like, the ring is a powerful thing, right? And he is desperate to save his city, right? And make his daddy proud, sure. Um, yeah. But it makes me wonder, like, what if Boromir without really hope or agenda maybe but just spoke his thoughts to Aragorn could Aragorn have said something to help him in his dilemma yeah I don't think Boromir really understands the ring even though it's explained to him and maybe someone should just go over and over it with him yeah (laughs) someone like Aragorn Maybe, unless there's too much tension with the whole, I'm the king of your country. Maybe, but I don't know if anybody, he would really listen to anybody else. 
Yeah, fair. At that point. Yeah, he definitely trusts another man of Gondor <laughs> more, yeah. than, more than uh, this Trixie elf, so we said probably. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because we know that's Denethor a... is not that into wizards. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So at later, we'll definitely see this, but, you know, Gandalf and Saruman have visited Minas Tirith many times to learn, because there's a lot of documents and stuff there to learn from, and they've visited many times, but uh, Denethor is not really a fan yeah. of that. So, and I think that Boromir probably has uh, inherited more of Denethor's prejudices than Faramir did. Yeah. yeah. Wizard pupil. Um, yeah. Faramir was into it. Yeah. So. But, you know, uh, Boromir definitely listens to his dad, which, you know, to... So, I mean, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> that about sums um, you up. <laughs> what? That about Sorry, sums you up. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, the next thing. Oh, I do want to say something about um Gimli. It's kind of like probably the cherry on top of their inter- his interactions with Galadriel when he asks for one hair from her golden mm. head. And um, the significance of this isn't really mentioned in Lord of the Rings. And I feel like it's one of those things with, like, Glorfindel. Like, he had, like, at this point, Tolkien had no um, hope that the Silmarillion was going to be published. He'd already been told no. Um, So it's almost just, like, these little Easter eggs for himself, I feel like. Um, You know, uh, because he's building on top of the stuff that he's already imagined. So in uh, when he asks for the hair and Galadriel gives him three, the significance of this, I think, is he's contrasting Gimli with Feanor, who is one of the main elves of the Silmarillion and probably one of the like the biggest elves of all time, you know. So Feanor is um, one of the OG elves, essentially, and he is basically good at everything, but he's kind of a jerk. And he (laughs) makes the Silmarils, which uh, get stolen by Morgoth, Melkor, one of the the bad god, essentially, Sauron's boss. And then he swears an oath that he will get them back, and a lot of bad things happen because of that oath. Um, so, but before he makes Simmerils, he asks Galadriel for a strand of her hair. Essentially, I think his idea was to use her hair to make this jewelry. But then he settles for the light of the two trees, <laughs> which I think is funny. Um, Isn't but that be- his wife? Hmm? Isn't that his wife? Galadriel? Yeah. No, she's married to Celeborn. And who are we talking Fa- about? Fanor. Fanor. Okay. So Fanor is very dead by this point in the story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like one of the OG elves from Silmarillion that a lot of stuff centers around. Okay. Um, but Galadriel's a very good judge of character, and she says, "No, you cannot have my hair. Sorry." Um, and so he goes on to make the Silmarils, blah blah blah. But then Gimli asks for hair from her. And she gives him three. 
and and which he goes on he wants to make them into heirlooms of his house you know um it's and he asks it super courteously like he says it's so nice and she says that like no one has ever asked her something and you know used never asked her something so nicely and i'm like dang how did feanor ask you is he like hey girl (laughs) can i just can i just grab a little piece of hair she's like excuse me (laughs) touch me yeah that's what i imagine feanor is just kind of like rude and entitled yeah Yeah, i just wants them to have that have that heirloom that memory of the prettiest thing he ever saw Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that's so innocent yeah it's it's so sweet and you know he didn't even want to ask for it but she presses Mm. him because she was like you're not going to be the only she's like i don't know what to get you and you're not going to be the only one walking away without a gift so what do you want come on and he's like well since you asked you know (laughs) and it's just it's so sweet and i feel like his interactions with galadriel like you can see like gimli's interactions with um, what's his name? Haldir at the beginning of the chapters where it's mm. very like, bruh, like, no. Uh, and then with Galadriel, he's like, hey, you know, <laughs> he's like softens up so much for her. Um, and obviously Legolas understands the significance of the hairs. So I'm sure mm. that he was like, dang, boy, yeah, what, I, what you asking for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, I think I was a little bit shocked. And then probably even more shocked that she said yes. Yeah. So so that's kind of Gimli's journey in Lothlorien. He kind of makes a really big transformation as far as his relationship with Legolas is, you know, that I think that this is the point where it's like, yeah, we're we're buddies now on this quest. And I think we also start to see um, you know, because obviously, uh, Haldir, he says that he can't change the laws of Lothlorien, you know, as far as, like, about blindfolding Gimli, because they're not allowed, but it's like, okay, well, we know that Celeborn and Galadriel are the rulers of Lothlorien, so who made the law? You know what I'm saying? And then to have, um, them who probably made this law, you know, show such kindness and friendship to Gimli by the end of it. I think it's, everybody's walking away changed. Yeah. So, now we can get to some Sam and Frodo stuff. (laughs) About the Mirror of Galadriel. So, I think that that's probably, like, the most iconic moment in the movies from this section. There's a lot of iconic moments in these movies, but uh, you know, when Galadriel um, shows them Shows in the movies, it's just Frodo. Shows uh, him her mirror, and she, and then Frodo is feeling kind of overwhelmed, and he's like, You can have it, you can have the ring. And then Galadriel, you know, has her whole like freak out thing. Um, mm. But in the books, it's Frodo and Sam who get to look into the mirror of Galadriel. And I was just reading this the other day, and it, um, kind of surprised me what they saw i'm like why did i how did i forget this but pretty sure they both see into the future a little bit and sam he definitely sees the scouring of the shire which in the movies they kind of give to frodo to see you know the things happening in the shire but in the movies they have it as sam being shackled and 
in chains and being a part of it. So that that was interesting. Um, but I, I think that they more or less see the future. Um, Sam sees the scouring of the Shire, but he thinks it's happening now. And mm. he considers going back. And then Galadriel's like, no, no, don't use this for advice. Like, this may not have even happened yet. Don't worry about it. But Sam also sees Frodo with a pale face lying fast asleep under a great dark cliff and himself going along a dim passage and climbing an endless winding stair. Kind of sounds like some Mordor stuff to me. I like, think it's I think it's even when uh for the I think when they're in uh Ungol, I think he when when he thinks Frodo is dead. I think he even thinks, "Oh, this is what I saw in the mirror." Mm-hmm. Like he recognizes that image of Frodo's pale face. Yeah, it's like uh, I I feel bad for forgetting that Sam saw that. You know, I remembered <laughs> him seeing the scouring stuff, but I forgot yeah. that he saw he saw like far ahead. Um, and similar to Frodo, he also, I think Frodo sees a little bit of the present and the future. I think he sees Gandalf returning as Gandalf the White. It's like described as like a figure that reminds him of Gandalf, but then he's like, oh, but he's robed in white. So mm. that it's probably not Gandalf, but mm. it feels like Gandalf. Um, and then he also sees a part of, I think the end of the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Like, he sees the White City. You know, it's just, like, flashes of things. Like, the White Tower and the ships with dark sails and Aragorn's... He doesn't know it's Aragorn's, but, like, the tree with the seven stars um, Mm. flag unfurling. And, obviously, they don't do it exactly like that in the movies. So, uh, but I think that could have been cool to have that, like, quick flashes of what they we're already going to show later. Yeah. But they don't do that. Mm-hmm. But they don't I do think that. it also would have been would have been nice to have Sam uh there with Frodo. Because yeah, I, think I agree. I think he's there for most things with Frodo and I think that's important. <laughs> mhm. And I really love a sidekick. Yeah, exactly. Like f- they are really there for each other. In so many ways. And I also love that um, Sam... Frodo realizes that he can't give the ring to Galadriel, right? But then Sam is like, you know, I think you're right. I think she should take it. Um, You know, and says that um, you'd put things to rights. You'd stop them digging up the gaffer and turning him adrift. You'd make some folk pay for their dirty work. Because he's still very concerned about what he just saw in the mirror that looked like the scouring of the Shire, and Galadriel responds, I would. That is how it would begin, but it would not stop with that, alas. And I'm like, oh! I'm like, it, it, it reminds me of, like, in the movies, at least, when Gandalf says, like, I would use this thing for a desire to do good. You know, when he's yeah. explaining, like, Frodo, I can't yeah. take it either. Um. So it, it just, it, I think it's, calls into question like how the power of the ring works you know because I don't know if it's ever like fully fully explored because for someone like Galadriel or Gandalf who it who are really powerful 
beings on this Middle Earth, you know, that they could potentially use this ring for good things. But that it's, um, I guess because the ring is so, in- I mean, it is literally Sauron's spirit, like, poured into it, right? So it can't really make good things. So that makes me wonder, like, okay, so Galadriel saves the Shire and punishes those who are responsible for it. Like, say, if she if she had the chance to do so. But then what? Then is it, like, just a blood, like, a lust for power at that point? And you I just think it, for, escalates? For Gandalf, yeah, I think that. I think that for both Gandalf and Galadriel, it would just escalate into... Um, this, I know what's best for everybody, uh, and mm-hmm. then <laughs> trying to make everything, you know, be, be in control of everything, and then succumb <laughs> to the evil of yeah. the ring. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Anna, do you have any thoughts on about how the ring works? I see. <laughs> Sorry. I need okay. a charge. Of- My God, don't break anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, That's honest, Josh. <sighs> so me and Anna both have Joshes. Both have yeah, I remember from Josh. one of your episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a little sneak peek of one. <laughs> Did you see him? <laughs> a little bit. Barely. <laughs> um, his computer charger was in here. Uh, what was your question? Oh, I was just going to ask you about how you think uh, about what your thoughts are about the power of the ring and um, if a good guy tried to use it. I think it would just... Well, because you've kind of mentioned it with the difference between Gollum and Frodo, how uh, Gollum was not super good uh he still had those black parts of his his soul so it deteriorated him uh in a different way whereas frodo had it you know for extended period of time and could resist those those urges i think that if you are a good person you have a good soul you know it'll still affect you but just not in the same way as if you have evil intents um and Gladriel is powerful um and good but it would still probably end up corrupting her in one way it might not be a straightforward evil fire brimstone type of way you know that we've seen it affect other people but Mm -hmm. she probably couldn't resist fully yeah and i think that with the power like whoever has it you know, if you're a powerful person, it kind of, like, amplifies it uh, significantly, you know, yeah. probably by a certain amount of times, you know, because Frodo is literally, like, not just that he's tiny, but that he um, he is uh, just, like, a different kind of guy. Like, he's your regular, degular dude, you know, and he hasn't been really involved in, like, these the ways of the world and you know elves have like their own kind of magic to them and all that but um with Galadriel and Gandalf who have been so entrenched in kind of like saving the world for a long time I think that um and they have such big vision and plans but I feel like whereas Frodo is like trying to just get to the next day in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways you know yeah I I think think the thing about having a hobby 
um, as a ring bearer is that they're not very powerful or power hungry, but also mm -hmm. just that they don't have huge amounts of power that could be abused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it would be interesting. Uh, it would like a very wild alternate universe, I think, if like Galadriel had taken the ring. Because she says that she has thought about it for many years, what she would do if she had mm. her had the chance to take it. Um, but I, so it makes me wonder about like the Rings of Power show. It you know because they are going to be showing. I think they are going to be focusing on Galadriel a lot, and it makes me wonder like what if they take that line and make it like i feel like the vibe so far from like interviews i've read and things are her hunting down the servants of morgoth in the beginning but i almost wonder if later after the rings are made what if she has a moment where she tries to look for it mm. I, I don't know well maybe not because it wouldn't have been lost until the very end um we're going to need a i feel like we're going to need a a season about the beginning of the third age if you ask me but because there's so much overlapping things happening but um i don't know it makes me wonder like what were galadriel's ambitions when she was younger mm. hopefully we find out yeah yeah uh, that, that'll be interesting to explore for sure so now, just because I'm petty, I really want to talk about how dumb um, uh, Sam's gift was in the movies. <laughs> oh. I, so, Anna, as you know, in the movies, they give him rope. And he asks, are you out of all those nice shiny daggers? And then Galadriel just kind of like goes... And then, like, walks away. <laughs> but um, his is actually... So, in the books, he actually um, gets a much better gift. And actually, most people's gifts are really different. But I think the biggest deal is Sam's. Just because I'm like, how can you give this wonderful little hobbit boy rope? <laughs> you know? So, like, obviously, Frodo's gift is really good. Gimli's gift is obviously really good. Most every... Like... Aragorn gets a brooch from Galadriel, and I think everyone else kind of gets... Well, Legolas gets a bow, and I think Boromir and Merry and Pippin all get belts. They get belts, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, that's nice. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Um, but Sam, he actually gets this little plain box... It's unadorned, save for a single silver rune upon the lid, set G for Galadriel, uh, but it also may stand for garden in your tongue. And in the box, there's earth from Galadriel's orchard, and such blessing as Galadriel has still to bestow is upon it. And she says, it will not keep you on your road, nor defend you against any peril. But if you keep it and see your home again at last, then perhaps it may reward you. Though you should find all barren and laid waste, which I'm think she's like the scouring does happen. Yeah. Sorry, um, <laughs> um, there will be few gardens in Middle Earth that will bloom like your garden if you sprinkle this earth there. Then you may remember Galadriel and catch a glimpse far off of Lorien you have seen only in our winter. And okay, do you know? Do you want to know what I just realized? What? 
this is can I uh, can I jump to the end of uh, or the beginning of the return of the whatever? Absolutely, oh, you can. Can I jump forward? <laughs> yes. You know when uh, Sam has the ring and he has that moment where he has the vision of because we were talking about what Galadriel or Gandalf would do with the ring. And Sam mm-hmm. has his own moment with that, where he's like, he would make the whole world into a garden and he would be the main gardener of the world. And then he's like, no, that's too much for one hobby. That's too much power. <laughs> but with this, with this, with this box from Galadriel, he's able to have the best garden in Middle Earth without the evil that comes with the ring. Oh, that's yes. really cool. Galadriel gives him like what his heart most desires because she knows that when that's what he was tempted with as well yeah by galadriel (laughs) and like he he gets it because like his like his biggest wish that's like corruptible by the ring is still so Mm. wholesome that he just gets it yeah I just want to plant lots of vegetables. I know, yeah. and it's and it's so so. It's like a bunch of dirt in this little box, but then there's also a giant seed, and he doesn't really know what it's for. But then, as we see at the Return of the King, um, the party tree in Hobbiton gets torn down, and he replaces it. And you know, that's like oh. where they have all their get together. So he replace he plants that seed. And it grows one of the Malorn trees, one of those huge trees that they build their houses around in Lothlorien. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, oh. it's it's literally like everything that we've just talked about coming together as far as like the connections between the different races and their cultures mm. and like accepting different parts of them and like everybody working together to make things better. Like, even when the elves have left and they are no more, their friendship with, you know, Frodo and Sam is able to improve the Shire after all the horrible things that happen. And the friendship between Gimli and Legolas is able to, you know, harness the beauty of the glittering caves at Helm's Deep and to make beautiful Ithilien, like the forest outside of Mordor on the other opposite side of the river from Gondor um, again and it's just there's there's so many little things that sprinkled throughout that lead up to this you know ab- about everybody just working together to to make the world better and I just mm. it's just one of my favorite things yeah mm-hmm. it's precious it's just good yeah you know yeah. Like in all the meanings of the word. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that pretty much covers these chapters. There's like a bunch of little things that we could talk about, but then like we would never stop recording. So, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that those are like the big changes that I think are uh, important to mention. And so that leaves us, you know, at the end of this scene in pretty much both the book and the movies, they're sailing down the Anduin or rowing, however you want to say it. They're boating down the Anduin um, and they still have yet to decide uh, how they're go- what they're going to do next. Um, that's something that Aragorn is really wrestling with. 
because in his heart he wanted to go to Minas Tirith Boromir. His plan was always that, like, I think he assumed that Gandalf would go off with Frodo to the, mm. to Mordor, and that he could split off and go take um, care of Gondor. But you know, he's the leader of the company now, and he's struggling with what to do, and he's also worried about bringing so many people to Mordor. Mm. But he doesn't want to forsake Frodo because, like, who would? You know, mm-hmm. so he's struggling with that. Nobody has decided what they're going to do. Frodo isn't sure either. And but then they're they're really happy to have the chance to sail down the Anduin because then they don't have to pick. They can just go straight for a while. Um, yeah. And and that's pretty much where we leave them and where we'll see them pick up next time when we finish up the Fellowship of the Ring uh, in our 10th episode. So. Because this is number nine, which I thought was kind of crazy. I'm Whoa. like, have we really been doing this for like nine, ten weeks at this point? So, so I think, is there anything else that we needed to touch on, Edis, before we leave Lothlorien? Um, do you want to talk about Galadriel and Celeborn's dynamic? <laughs> sure. So Galadriel is um, married to Celeborn and they, I don't really feel like I know that much about Celeborn. And also I was going to say in the movies, like at that first scene of Celeborn, he sounds like a robot. <laughs> like, where is Gandalf? Oh, it's designed to speak with him. I was like, what? Well, now that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's... I don't know much about him either. Um, there could also be something I'm forgetting. But I feel like it's... Uh, I don't know. I feel like something in the dynamic or the gender roles is so fresh that like mm. Galadriel is the... Uh, what's the word? The, the lady of the forest or the... Yeah. The she, she seems ruler. to be... Yeah, calling more of the the shots. Yeah, and in in the in the book, um, when they arrive uh, at Galadriel and Celeborn's dwelling or whatever, mm-hmm. it, um, Celeborn is doing all the like, oh, welcome, sit down, and I feel like that's a bit like a hostess thing mm, that, he, yeah. that he's doing. <laughs> he's that's so like, true. I, I call him Galadriel's boy toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is the one, like, he's being, like, super friendly when they all first go out, show up. He's like, oh, sit down, like, take a load off. He's like, it's all chill here. And then he's, like, super rude after that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, and then it's Galadriel that's like, uh-uh, no, we're not doing that here. And then he apologizes. Um, yeah. and And then later, I'm trying to think of, I'm like, did I even like make that many notes about Celeborn? I don't know if I did, but um, he is he. I think it's Celeborn and Aragorn that talk for a hot minute about um, what it is they're gonna do next and offering up the boats too. So he's like kind of like tactical in that way with mm. Aragorn, whereas Galadriel is kind of um, focused on at that point. You know, she's saying farewell like several times like she has them drink this cup of farewell and then she's like okay now sit back down again and then they (laughs) eat and then they and then she gives them the gifts and then she says goodbye so um 
it's interesting yeah. how they kind of like they kind of trade off a little bit even though i don't think that there's any question that like galadriel is the big deal here yeah and he, yeah. Uh, Gal- galadriel does say to uh i think when they arrive that uh, it's good that you've come here because Celeborn is a mighty elf and he he can give great gifts mm-hmm. but then but then Galadriel it's, gives it's, it's, it's her it's her gifts yeah <laughs> that are the most meaningful <laughs> yeah it's like but, but I, I feel think like... there's a mutual respect yeah absolutely I mean you know we all probably talk up our partners or spouses every once in a while <laughs> right Anna's like absolutely not (laughs) I'm just saying for everyone listening and not watching this that you're based (laughs) no we're just kidding we love Josh yes we do we love Josh (laughs) yeah this is like I don't but yeah that's cool for you I I don't know Josh and I'm single but (laughs) If, if I was, I would be, I would be talking whatever partner I had up. So I agree. So yeah, we we do that sometimes, and you know I think that it's um, it's interesting. It makes me wonder about like because obviously Tolkien was um, you know he called like his story with like Baron and Luthien. He he that was a big uh, deal for him, and like obviously took up a big chunk of his brain and he would call his wife Luthien um mm. Tenuviel or whatever um like those were their pet names for each other Aww. but it makes me think about just how Tolkien thinks about like couples and like how they it, is it like is this kind of how most elvish couples would be or is it specific to mm. Galadriel and Celeborn does Vandral have a wife? Does he? I don't know. Who's Legolas's mom? No Straight out of a Disney movie, movie uh, Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because like her mom um, died, or his mom died, and all the moms yeah. die. All the moms die in Disney. Disney. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's like. He, it's funny, it's like, literally, if he doesn't, if the story doesn't go there, he doesn't seem to explore that, you mm-hmm. know? Okay. Mm. There's, like, so many things that we don't know, you know? Like, mm-hmm. with the whole Tom Bombadil. Like, who is Tom Bombadil, really? We don't know. You know? What color is Legolas's hair? No idea. And it's funny, because, like, Tolkien might know, but he just didn't find a reason to put it in the text. Because there's stuff like... At one point, I think this was like in the fifties, he would still respond to fan mail, you know, like mm. after the Lord of the Rings was published, and somebody wrote to him and was like, "Does Aragorn have a beard? My family <laughs> is torn about this." And he goes, "No, Aragorn doesn't have a beard." Uh, like, so he knew, but he didn't write that down. That's hilarious. Yeah. I know. But also, like, but I'm gonna pretend mean- like he still has a beard. That yeah, seems like an important character. At least some scruffs of him. Yeah, I mean they're, how, they're how on the road for months. Yeah, like how when was he shaving? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, there's no way he was shaving during that time. Maybe he's just trimming with his dagger. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, I think that's a good, I mean, I think that that was pretty thorough. Yeah. Anna, do you have any additional thoughts about Lothlorien? Nope. Nope. All good. All good here. <laughs> okay, cool. So that means um, next time we will uh, pick up at the at the Great River and we're going to see the breaking of the Fellowship and the departure of Boromir. So get your tissues ready for next time, y'all. <laughs> And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Iris. Oh, and I forgot to, and so, like, I, I mentioned that your Hobbit hot takes on TikTok. Um, and I think that's the best place to find you if you want to engage in some more Lord of the Rings TikTokery. Yes. <laughs> yes. And thank you for inviting me. This was great fun. <laughs> yes, you'll definitely have to join us again when we get, well, you are going to join us again when we're doing more Sam and Frodo. Um, I, I think am. it is. Uh, is it after Shelob's Lair or is it Kyrathungal? It's, it's somewhere in there. It's um, somewhere around there. I think Choices of Master Samwise is definitely in that episode. Yes, yes, <laughs> my absolutely. favorite chapter. It's so good. So I'm I can't wait for that. That'll be tons of fun. Me neither. <laughs> but you're welcome back anytime. Um, and so thank you again for joining us. And thanks to everybody for you. listening to our nonsense about Lord of the Rings. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>